Hi, welcome to this live webinar um, with uh, me, Karik Sam, from the Being Working Abroad Show. Uh, we're on a Twitter stream, Xtreme, whatever you want to call it, or we're on uh, also uh, a YouTube where you can follow us each week as we do a live webinar for expats living and working abroad. We had a big feature last week, as well as a big uh, technical thing, uh, technical issues called death and taxes and the new world order. For more information on that, watch again our videos uh, on our, our YouTube Living and Working Abroad show. We're going to continue that, that theme of, of death and taxes again this week. Uh, we're going to look at um, UK property, um, <coughs> OECD rules and changes, as well as UK Twitter deadlines, and that's the connection of the theme. So let's get right into it. <coughs> the, um, we'll start with the EU and the OECD. Uh, now the OECD is an international group for, that sets a, a, a multinational uh, tax agreements uh, around the world. And they've got two pillars, one and two, which they're in the process of introducing. And by 24, 25, those will be in place. The first pillar is is to link um, people that are, are paying tax uh, around the world. Welcome to this live webinar uh, for expats living and working abroad. Um, today we're continuing our theme of death, uh, taxes and a new world order with three topics where we're looking at uh, private, private residence relief on UK property, uh, the OECD uh, tax for all, and uh, as well, we're looking at, at UK tax deadlines. So that's connection, death and taxes. So um, thanks a lot for joining us and watch more at our Living Working Board show uh, on YouTube or uh, our X space on Twitter. Let's start with the OECD. Um, it's Paris-based, so we always blame the French for uh, tax on that's set between governments and international standards. And they've got two pillars that they're in the process of introducing and that will be in force uh, by 24-25. Uh, and they're aimed at uh, companies. And the first pillar was to uh, link companies, people and tax uh, around the world so they pay the right amount of tax and and this is the reason why you're getting more uh, shouts uh, and information from in investment savings and banks authorities not just for your name id and address but also your tax numbers and maybe your social insurance numbers and that's the first pillar of of the oecd changes coming into place the second pillar is to introduce a, a corporate minimum tax rate, which uh, starts taking effect from October 23. So that's coming into force now to be rolled out over 24, 25, with the idea that all companies can pay a minimum amount of tax. Um, now, it's aimed at companies and, and it's aimed at uh, companies paying those tax. Um, and it involves transfer pricing rules. Transfer pricing is where 
um, a, a company might have subsidiary in another country and they're invoicing the parent company for services or vice versa. Um, so if you look at the big multinationals like Google, they may have a, a, an EU office, a UK office, uh, a, a, an Asian office, a Middle East office. Each one of those uh, pays a different level of tax. Uh, Microsoft, for example, moved their um, uh, European uh, management base to the UAE uh, during lockdown. So that was an interesting uh, move. And this is the thing that their governments are trying to track down through the OECD so that everybody pays a minimum amount of tax. Uh, and the minimum corporation tax should be 15%. The problem is, uh, and with the transfer pricing rules, different for different countries. So for Cyprus, transfer pricing rules apply um, over 750,000 turnover. For the UK, the transfer pricing rules apply for turnover over 750 million. So there's a lot of difference in, in, in whether transfer pricing rules apply. But when a company is required to keep records to conform with the pillar one, the pillar two, with the transfer pricing rules, then we get this situation where it impacts uh, the, every company uh, that's an employer, uh, every company that's a supplier, every company with employees or customers. So everybody's going to be affected in, in the end. And the big companies will have the cost and expense of implementing it. But at the end of the day, the most disruption will be to the individuals. So expats that are relocating overseas, living abroad or working cross-border uh, will get this dissonance and this disruption and this change over the next two or three years as banks, investment companies, regulators, tax authorities, tax agencies apply these new rules. Not all tax offices around the world are able to exchange this information at the moment. Those changes are going on and some countries are introducing new taxes. So it's an interesting world uh, that we're going ahead. Uh, for more information and guidance on uh, how uh, the OECD regulations, the Pillars 1 and Pillar 2 might affect your living and working abroad as a company or as a customer or supplier, contact us at productpartnership.com. The second area I want to look at today is death and taxes, is private residence relief. It actually is a tax that applies when you sell the property. So the, the only connection with our topic on death and taxes is that, you know, if you sell the property when you die. Any UK residential property is subject to tax as a fixed asset. So if an expat is renting a UK property out, there's rental income taxes to be paid. Uh, if an expat has sells a, a property in the UK, uh, there's a capital gains tax that applies. And they, those are taxed and chargeable in the UK, <clears throat> even if the owner of the property is living and working abroad. <clears throat> so it's the, it's the building that's taxed, not the individual, despite the double taxation treaty for other taxes that might give uh, reliefs uh, to the expat that you're working abroad. If you need to discuss what the implications are of the double taxation treaty applying to you, contact us at, at productpartnership.com. So in the UK, uh, uh, somebody that owns a property as their 
main owner, main residence, can get capital gains tax relief. Capital gains tax in, in the UK property is charged between 18 and 22%, depending upon the, the amount of uh, profit that's made. And this can have a big impact on expats that are leaving or returning to the UK. And there's recently been a, a court ruling on this, which gives us some clarity uh, in the way that we can advise clients and guide clients that, that are living and working abroad. So listen more and we'll, we'll explain how this recent ruling supports or potentially undermines your, your claim for tax relief. <clears throat> uh, in the UK, if somebody sells and buys a new property, there can be a nine month overlap. So uh, an, um, somebody in the UK could sell a, a residential property, move into a new one, and still take another nine months to sell that property and get relief, a private residence relief on that first sale without it being deemed to be a second property because you can only get private residence relief uh, on one home at a time. And you know it's worth 28,000 on a 100,000 pound profit. So if you've got a million pound property, uh, which you've owned uh, for 10 years or more, um, uh, and it's gone up in price by 500,000, you, you, you've got a 28% tax, 140,000 on that million pound sale price. So it can be quite expensive. Um, so expats could leave the UK, go to live and work abroad and take up to nine months to sell the property and still claim main residence relief when they, when they uh, leave the UK. Um, now, after that, it's HMRC's, HMRC's discretion, and they could still allow it, but they may not. If an expat goes abroad and starts renting that property, then the, the right to main uh, residence relief uh, on sale is, is lost. So if an expat leaves the UK, rents a property for a couple of years, and then sells it, uh, Maine's residence relief is not an automatic entitlement. And when you create a capital gain in the UK uh, now, you have to do a tax return within 60 days of, of the gain, and then again in the, in the tax return at the end of the year. Uh, so Pride can help uh, expats uh, disposing of capital assets in the UK, including businesses, inv investments, shares, and uh, property uh, to complete those capital gains tax returns. Contact us at productpartnership.com for more information. <clears throat> but um, what, what uh, an expat could still claim UK main property relief on, uh, on a home in the UK, um, it, even if they don't rent it out. If they kept the property as their own and main residence in the UK, and they're able to satisfy and argue with HMRC that it is still their main residence in the UK, then it's potentially that it could still own that property, live in it when they're in the UK, and, and claim the main residence relief. And it could be down to the HMRC's discretion about making your case for that, for that main residence relief to, to be valid. Um, the recent ruling, though, it, it, it gives us some clarity on that. Uh, the High Court has just made a, a ruling uh, this year in 2023 saying that if, if um, somebody buys land 
or uh, a disused property in the UK and they redevelop it and build a new property, um, the, the ruling was that the private residence relief only applies from the time that the building is complete and, and, and residence is occupied. So if you own land or buildings or commercial buildings in the UK, you always have capital gains tax to pay. If you've got, um, uh, uh, if you buy a piece of land or a disused property, you knock it down and redevelop it uh, to, and then move in two years later, the private residence relief only pays from that time. And obviously if you're building uh, or developing a piece of land, it's going to increase appreciating value quite a lot. And therefore the capital gain uh, from doing the building is not included in the private residence relief. So if you buy a piece of land for 100,000, build a, a, a 200,000 pound property and try and sell it for a million, um, you'll get capital gains tax on, on the excess, on the profit. There's no indexation of, 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 of purchase price in the UK for capital gains tax assessment. If you buy the property, uh, the land, build a property for 200,000, living it uh, for three years and then sell it for a million, you're potentially going to get private residence relief for the three years that, that you live in it. So whatever the value of the property is in those last three years, but not the, the development costs uh, and allowances on that. So that, that's a different uh, tax, capital gains tax uh, calculation. You need to take care when planning with that because uh, the, the rulings now is quite clear that the, the capital gain on the development is a separate tax to the private residence relief. More information guidance on that, contact us at projectpartnership.com. So, but what this does confirm as well is that expats returning to the UK should take care. So, if an expat has been living and working abroad, and they and they've sold their and, and they they've been renting out their property, their home in the UK, then they're, they're not entitled to private residence relief while they're in the UK. If that property is if they then return to the UK, kick out their tenants, uh, take up occupation, and then two years later sell it, um, the, the current ruling says that in theory, they're only going to get the private residence relief for those last two years after they return to the UK. So an expat returning to the UK um, to repossess their property from a tenant and then sell it, it, it is liable potentially to capital gains tax for the whole period of the ownership of that property. Now, it could be that you could get a concession that your previous period of, of residence is allowed in that calculation and it's only the period of rental that's not allowed um, but this requires some investigation and reporting and for help and guidance on that uh, contact us at, at projectpartnership.com if an expat keeps a, a property in the uk completely empty and it's only ever used for their own accommodation and residence uh, is the, the question mark about whether private residence relief is, is available or not is only a question of the tax residence. Uh, you could be resident in a country but not tax resident. 
you have to be living and working in a country for more than six months to be tax resident, um, or three months in some cases, but let's not go into that here. Um, so if you're a tax resident in a country, um, uh, you're, you're resident and tax resident, but you could be resident in a country, but not tax resident. A British domiciled person in the UK is always going to be uh, tax residents by uh, uh, deemed potentially by their domicile that they're a British citizen. Um, but if a, a British expat goes to live in Spain and, and lives in Spain for four months of the year, they've not reached the six, six uh, month mark. So they've been resident for four months, but not tax residents. So they go back to the UK uh, for, for eight months, then the tax resident in the UK. So uh, if you own a holiday home, own a second home in another country, you can be resident in that property, um, but, but not tax resident. And as we mentioned in some of our other episodes, that can be relevant with the EU's restriction on the Schengen zone, on the short stay rules of 90 and 180 days, uh, limits you to stay 90 days in a property overseas unless you've got a residency permit. So if you own a property in an EU country subject to the individual country's rules, you could get a resident permit to allow you to stay longer than three months in that property and be resident uh, for longer periods in that country, but not necessarily tax resident. You're only tax resident when you stay more than the six months. So if, if an expat has got a, a property in the UK and they're spending most of their time abroad, um, as long as the, the property in the UK is used exclusively only for their per, per, permanent resident and uh, private residence in the UK, they should be able to get relief. It's private residence relief. It's not permanent residence relief. If you're a tax resident, that's determined by your permanent residency. But a private residence relief it is just for one property in the UK, which is your main home in the UK, not your permanent residency, which is your tax residency. So an interesting point there that you could be resident in any country where you, you own or lease a, a property or where you're running a business, whether that's Cyprus, Spain, Portugal or, or the UK. So you can be a resident in any one of those countries, Dubai as well, Middle East, um, Singapore, but you're a tax resident where you spend most of your time. Uh, and again, your home country has, has always has first call on your tax residence. So you have to satisfy your tax residence in another country. Going back to the uh, OECD changes and the pillars one and pillar two, um, you can't get uh, work or employment in a country now without a residency permit. And this is one of the subtle ways uh, that the changes of the rules uh, uh, are being implemented to make sure everybody's paying the fair amount of tax on their income and their tax uh, across border um, uh, for and impacting not just companies but individuals uh, for expats. So, for more information and guidance on private residence relief for UK property investment whether you're a UK expat living abroad or whether you're an ex, uh, owning property in the UK, 
contact us at productpartnership.com because we know the answers and we'll help you there. The last area we're going to look at today is UK tax return deadlines for expats. Um, we love this time of year because everyone panics and um, we're a bit, a bit more measured and paced. And um, so forgive me if, if we cause you any distress as a client. But I just want to clarify UK tax returns for expats and the deadlines for those tax returns. So the UK tax year is based upon the uh, old uh, uh, year, um, which uh, the, the old new year starting in the spring on the 25th of March. It's changed for different for reasons when they made that change from uh, a 25th of March new year to, to January. And the uh, lost um, of, uh, days of tax. Um, UK tax return deadlines for expats. I wish I'd not messed that up. The, the, <clears throat> between the 25th of March and the 5th of April, there's 11 days. Um, when the UK changed uh, from a new year on the 25th of March to, to the 1st of January in the 17th century, um, there was 11 days that were lost to adjust their calendar to meeting with the European Union's uh, dates. And, and, and that is why the UK ended up with a 5th of April uh, tax year, and it's just never been changed ever since. Other countries may have 1st of April or 1st of July or, 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 or 1st of uh, January, uh, but that's why the UK have the 5th of April. And, and the tax return for that 5th of April is due by the 31st of January in the following year. And, and that has always been the case. So with the UK tax year ending on the 5th of April, the tax return has always been due always been due by the 31st of January in the following year. So that's, <clears throat> that's in, in effect, that, that's 10 months to complete the return. Um, an October deadline was brought in as a transition. And the 31st of October deadline is for paper returns. So um, uh, if you want to complete a paper return to complete your UK tax return, that has to be in by the, the 31st of October. So on the 24th of October, you've got <clears throat> eight days left to get your return into the UK by post, um, which is still possible in the UK. Uh, but if you're an expat living and working abroad, that's slightly difficult. Okay. Um, for an expat, though, you've still got to the 31st of January to get your return in on time. Uh, obviously, you want to get it in earlier to get all your rebates and to get your, your settlement done. Um, and there's 100 days now to go still uh, at the end of October to complete that return. So from the 24th of October uh, to the 31st of January is our focus time to get those UK tax returns done for our clients and the countdown 100 to zero uh, to get those returns done on time. So the 100 days from the 24th of October to the 31st of December. So when does an expat need to do a tax return? If you're not living in the UK, do you still need to do a tax return if you're an expat? 
you need to do an act, uh, a tax return in the UK if you've got tax to pay or if you're asked to do tax. So if you're uh, um, not from the UK, but you're uh, an expat investor in the UK in property or business, and you've got fixed income arising, such as property rentals or property capital gains, then you've got a tax liability in the UK and liability to do a return. Uh, if you're a UK expat living working abroad, because you're your UK domicile, that means that you've always got a first obligation to, to the UK. Unless you're a tax resident in another jurisdiction, in which case that means you need, under the OECD pillars, your, your residency first to get your tax residency in another country. Unless you've got that in place, okay, then the UK will remain your tax residence uh, as an expat until you get your residency permit and your tax residency settled in, a, in another country where you have a, a permanent home and, and uh, an economic center of interest. So um, the, if an expat, a UK expat has got that permanent home and that economic interest abroad, then uh, do they need to do a tax return? You need to do a tax return if you're asked to or if you've got tax to pay in the UK. So UK HMRC will ask somebody to do a tax return if they've recently gone abroad and, and they want to monitor their, their liability to UK tax to confirm that the tax resident abroad, that they, they've made that permanent uh, um, uh, uh, move at home and work abroad. Um, and they, they will ask that expat to do those returns for the first few years. If you've got property rental uh, or other fixed income in the UK, then again, they will ask you to do that return in the UK. So if you're selling shares or you're selling property, whether it's commercial or residential, got fixed income and gains in the UK, you'll need to do a, a tax return there. If you're working and you're working for a UK company uh, as an employee or a contractor, then you've got a, a liability with them that's going to draw you in um, uh, to, to potentially doing some UK tax returns. So a bit of a grey area there. Ask us for productpartnership.com for more information. Um, and, and so if you've got tax returns abroad, you could still have uh, be asked to do a tax return in the UK. If you've got tax to pay in the UK, then you need to do a return as well. Now, once you've got a, if you've established a residency in another country and a tax residency under, in the country under the new set of rules uh, for the OECD pillar one and two, if you've established that and you've got your tax residency overseas, usually, and again, we can check for you at PROACT under your double taxation treaty, your income um, uh, from uh, dividends, your, your income from interest will move with you. Uh, if you've got pension income, uh, then you have to go through a process. It's not always transferable. Sometimes it is. It depends upon the, the particular date in which the double taxation treaty was issued or double taxation treaties come under the auspices of um, OECD guidelines. Um, but in some allow different types of income to be taxed in different countries not to be taxed twice, 
but this is why, for example, the, the rental income is always taxed in the UK because this is what ascribes to a UK um, a double taxation treaty. Um, so um, some income moves with you. There's dividends, interest, uh, pensions can be registered in the, in the new country that you're with. If you're earning money abroad, and then again, you need to register and, and pay tax on that income abroad. Um, and, and your employer should facilitate that um, uh, arrangement. If you're not an employee, but you're a contractor, then obviously you can register as a sole trader in that other country, subject to the residency permits and tax residency that you've got. Uh, and again, these are the issues that you need to consider when you're living and working abroad, when you're relocating overseas, that the uh, country that you want to live and work in allows you to work and, and, and gives you the permits to do that, uh, to be the tax resident in that country. Uh, if not, it's not that you can't live in another country and work, but you might need to, for example, um, create a, an offshore company where, where you can work as a contractor to do your other work or have a contract with a, a, a contracting company from another country that allows you to do that work where you want. You need to verify the country in which you're doing that, and that becomes an issue as well under Pillar 1 and Pillar 2 of the OECD regulations. Any information and guidance you want on, on your liability to, um, uh, if you've got liability to tax in the UK on any specific income, or if you're asked to do a tax return, FARC can help you do that tax return. Um, uh, expats can do a tax return in the UK on paper um, by the end of uh, October, which is eight days from the 24th of October, or online, got 100 days from the 24th of October through to the 31st of January. What you can't do as an expat is do an online tax return in the UK using the HMRC system. That's only for UK residents. You'll be taxed as a UK resident if you do your tax return on there. For more information and guidance, um, we've got 99 days, because um, I'm recording this on the 25th, uh, to get your UK tax returns. We're full flow now help and guidance on UK tax returns for expats investing in the UK or living or working abroad from the UK contact us at productpartnership.com don't forget to listen to us at xspace on twitter our twitter space or follow on on youtube uh, thanks a lot for listening and we'll see you again next time <laughs> <laughs>